Welcome to Community Hope Podcast. We pray that the Word of Christ would dwell in you richly as you listen and that you would be encouraged in Christ. Let's, let's pray and ask God to open our hearts to his word. Lord, open our hearts. We need you to um, straighten out what's crooked, uh, redirect our thoughts, motivate us, move us by your Holy Spirit. Do for us what we can never, ever do for ourselves, and we're thankful for that. And uh, we will look upon your beauty and say thank you, Jesus. Amen. So we are continuing our series in uh, Corinthians. So we took a little bit of a break during the Christmas time, but I I just like preaching through books, and there's really good stuff here in this Gospel Eyes series. And when I thought of this section, I really thought of a movement from me to we, that uh, the Holy Spirit, that Scripture, all of Scripture, is kind of moving us from a me-centered life to a we-centered life. And, and the section begins like this, 1 Corinthians 12, if you want to follow along. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be uninformed. Some translations say ignorant. You, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray by mute idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God or by the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit or in the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but when you read that, do you you go, well, if I wanted to say that, I could say that, right? I mean, these these words, you you could say that. And even as a preacher... The scriptures say, cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. And in a sense, Jesus was accursed on the cross. He took what I should have taken, right? And gave me the blessings that I did. So preachers have said, in a sense, that Jesus was cursed, right? Paul, in writing this, probably dictated it. So out of his mouth said, no one can say Jesus is accursed. So what is he talking about here? Is he talking about just kind of a a flow of thoughts or is there something deeper i think there's something deeper have you seen any of the commercials buzz driving is drunk driving is it just me who's seen these commercials maybe it is um they have these kind of things like i saw this one where the guy they went through this list like when you are over talking and you put four emojis instead of three you know you're buzzed right buzz driving is drunk driving. And what are they really saying? You need to know when you're under the influence. You need to know when you're being influenced. And and I think it's the same thing with this section of scripture. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you're speaking by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're not going to be moved to curse Jesus. And only, only can you really mean Jesus is Lord. Not just say the words, but mean it from your heart, this life-transforming Jesus is Lord, unless you're motivated by the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? I mean, I grew up thinking that Christianity was just like an intellectual ascent. When you got to heaven, you just had to pass the test with the right questions, right? And if you had the right answers to the right questions, you got in. Pity the fool who doesn't have the right answers to the right questions when they get there. And it, it didn't have anything to do. It's, it's like... 
it, it's like this. Jesus died for me to, to live his life, give his life to me. But, you know, I forgot that he wanted to live his life in me and through me. And this is what it's talking about. When the Holy Spirit is in you, your confession of Jesus as Lord is life-altering and life-changing. It's motivated by the Spirit, but it, it, it's a powerful thing. Now, how does this work out in the practical planes of everyday living? You know, I, I think you and I, we need to get in touch with the Lordship of Christ daily. We need to let the Spirit fill us daily. And I like what C.S. Lewis said in uh, Mere Christianity. He said, it comes the very moment you wake up each morning. All your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. And the first job of each morning consists simply of shoving them all back, listening to the other voice, taking the other point of view, letting the other larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in, and so on all day, standing back from your natural fussing and fretting and coming in out of the wind. Do you, can you relate to that? I mean, it... it there is so much, whether it's your things to do, there's so much in us that wants to drive us. But the Holy Spirit wants to fill us, and, and we need to feast at his table. And, and I believe the first movement from me to we is, Lord, welcome. Welcome into the mess of my thought life this morning. Help me to be still and know that you're God, to, to drink from your word, to to let the peace of God that passes understanding keep my heart and mind through faith in you, Christ Jesus. That, I think, is the first movement from me to we. I remember um, Mark Ryan uh, years ago. And by the way, Mark is going to get ordained. I, I met Mark. Uh, actually, we our parents were friends. And then he came to, to Royal Redeemer when I was doing ministry there and um, I got him on the worship team, and he started playing, and he's like, but I can't sing. And I go, but you're a radio uh, DJ, so you can uh, talk. So he was like doing transitions and prayers. And, and then when I left that church, he started singing. And then after a while, he started preaching. And uh, now he's get, uh, getting ordained. And, and I remember years ago when he moved out of radio, he said to me, you know, Doug, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. And what, he, what I do to be popular on radio, because he had just beat Howard Stern out for rating periods, you can kind of guess, you know, he'd be, yeah, and what I do to be popular grieves him. And I, he's been knocking on my door for a long time. And this is us in the morning, isn't it? It's like Jesus stands at the door and knocks. That's written to the church, that's written to us. Will we, will we have Will we have fellowship with him? Will we spend time with him? The scripture goes on and says, Now concerning the variety of gifts, now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. There's a variety of services, but the same Lord. There's a variety of activities, but the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for a common good, for the profit of the whole body. Now, this is kind of an interesting thing. What is he saying? He's like, so you've got the church, this group of people, and he's saying they've all got different talents and gifts, but what are they for? They're for the building up of the body. So many times we think the gifts we have are for us. 
right? This is how we treat God. Does anybody remember who's a parent, or maybe your parents now, you go to McDonald's or some other fast food, now you deny it because nobody wants to admit they go to McDonald's. There's like billions and billions served, but nobody admits it. And uh, you deny that you go to McDonald's, but you go there and you buy your kids like fries, but you're good. You're trying to avoid fries. So you just steal their fries, their extra super large uh, fries, and they, they go, stop it. Don't take my fries. So they slap your hand, and you're like, wait a minute. I bought those fries. I paid for them. I gave them to you. And now you're treating them as if they're your own. And I think this is many times how we treat our gifts, don't we? They're my gifts. Like, you, how, do you, how do you raise a gifted child? You know how you raise them? You tell them their gifts are for everybody else. Your gifts are to be in service to the Lord. Your gifts are not to bring glory to yourself. They're not to, to have everybody worship you. They're there to serve the world. And with great power comes great responsibility, right? I mean, this is, this is the whole point of gifts. It, it's about other people. We move from, from me to we in our gifts. I started thinking about worship leading. I saw this online. Are you building fans or worshipers? You know, and worship music has changed a lot through the years, and it's got a lot more complicated and difficult. Years ago, they were like simple scripture songs. But what is the goal of a worship leader? It's to help everybody sing from their hearts unto the Lord. Right? I mean, that, like, like when, if I'm up here with the guitar or Jill and the band, like our goal, sure we want to play well and not hit wrong notes and not be distracted, but the main purpose is to help you see the attractiveness of Jesus. To lose yourself and find yourself as you sing from your hearts uh, biblical and scriptural truths that, that are life transforming. I mean, this worship is helping others worship. And I think many times today it's, um, it's easy for it to be look at me how well I sing, how well I play, how well, right? And the focus becomes on the band instead of on Jesus. It's amazing. And, and I think it's important that we ask ourselves, first, do you know what your gifts are? And second, how are they being employed? Your time, your talent, your, your finances. Like, How are you employing your gifts for the sake of the kingdom? So many times, it, our gifts are just about us. I was thinking about this in terms of like retirement. Tim Keller said something the other day. He said, you know, you try to get like everything all set and all ready, and then you end up with pancreatic cancer. Not that he isn't concerned about his wife, and I, I thought, you know, sometimes there's nothing wrong with planning. I think planning is good, but, but many times we need to be people who follow the Spirit with our lives and with our money and say, Lord, how, I trust that you'll take care of me, and how do you want me to use everything I have in every aspect of my life? Because we move always from me to we. It goes on, it says, for to the one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. So they're given a word of wisdom, another utterance of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. 
All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. You know, when I was a, a new believer, I really wanted to know my spiritual gift. You know, I took tests and tried to discern, and I think much of my wanting spiritual gifts and wanting um, to know what it is really had to do with I wanted to be able to go, this is my identity. I got this gift. It wasn't, oh, I want to employ whatever gifts God gives me to build other people up. It was really this hunger for an identity, to, to be somebody. Uh, and, and frankly, I have found that God has allowed me, and I've seen it happen in you and in the church, to operate in many spiritual gifts according to what the need is. So sometimes you, uh, maybe I'm preaching or talking to somebody and they go, man, that, that was a wise word. That was like a, a good word. They like it, and it, you had a word of wisdom. Or sometimes you give to somebody a word of, of knowledge, right? Like there are times where I have had God use me to impart words of wisdom, words of knowledge, even prophetic word. I remember years ago I said to this one gal, you know, you're going to marry him. I, the Lord had put it on my heart. And they were broken up and she was mad at me at the moment. And, uh, but guess what? They've been married for a number of years now. But that was, that was prophetic, right? It was, it, it was this, just this knowledge, you know. And, and I believe that many times God uses us in the moment with a, a gift. But it may, it, it may be then he uses somebody else with that same gift, Right? Years ago, when I was in high school, I stopped and visited uh, Jim Fenske, when I used to call him Mr. Fenske, he lived in Lakewood at the time, and I think I just stopped by to visit, and uh, he goes, wait, and he, he grabs some oil, takes me up to, to the bedroom, Nan is in bed sick, he's like, I want Doug to pray for you, and we anoint her with oil, and, and just imagine, ladies, you and Nan's situation. She, he's bringing a high schooler into the sick bedroom to pray. Yeah, but guess what? She got better. You know, Lord worked healing in that moment. And, and I remember one time when Annalie Beck says, will you come to the hospital with me? And, and uh, I, I go, sure. And, and there was a young boy who had been on dialysis. I mean, he was real young. And he was, they were waiting for him to get big enough so he could get a kidney from his dad. And they do this kidney transplant, and his body is doing the same thing with his transplanted kidney, attacking it and killing it. And he's in the hospital, high doses of uh, all the hormones, steroids. And, and it's been a month in the hospital. His mom is just living there at Rainbow's Babies and Children. And we come in, and we pray for him. And um, I visit again. I said, hey, can I continue to visit and I come back a few weeks later, maybe it was a month later, and, and he has like gotten better. And the mom looks at me and she goes, you know, he's doing better. He keeps getting better. And she said, you know, nothing changed. The only thing I can point to is it, it started when you guys came in and prayed. Do you think God has healed him? Like, yeah. Like, do you, is there any other reason? You know, a month downhill... We pray and things change. I remember a guy came up in church once and 
he had been imprisoned in Ethiopia for his faith and he had gotten a heart condition because he got sick and it went to his heart and and a doctor knew about it and they flew him to the States and did heart surgery and stuff and then he was back in the States because he was having some issues again some years later and he knew Marsha Lukey and, and she brought him to church and he comes up and he goes, pray for my heart. And I'm like, okay. And then after the, the end of that song was at the end of the service, I called a few other people over. We laid hands on him. And he says to me, Pastor, when you laid your hand on me, something fell within me and I knew I was healed. I'm like, what? He goes to the doctor. They say, there's no problem with you. Everything's fine. We don't have to do anything. You know, God, God does operate through gifts that he gives us, discerning of spirits. One time I had somebody in my office, I was talking to them. At the end, we prayed and had this vision like a, like a black slug spirit, like just on her. And I'm like, Lord, do I have to tell her? You know, so I tell her, I had this vision of this like black slug spirit on and, she, and I tell her, you know, she says, oh, oh, pastor, you're so funny. But, you know, a month later, some stuff got revealed. And there was demonic oppression going on in her life and family and stuff. And, and the truth came out. See, I think that God many times, sure, he can like specifically gift us. But many times he just uses us in the moment for the time that the thing that's needed. He's like, hey, I'm going to use you in this situation this way and that way. And this isn't an exhausted list of gifts. There's, there's many gifts that God wants to employ in his church, in his way and in his time. The scripture goes on and says the body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts and though all the parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek or slave or free. We're all given one spirit to drink. So Paul is trying to say, guys, you are many, but you've, you've come together. You used to be separated by ethnic divisions or, or by uh, economic divisions, right? Slave or free. But in Christ, you're one. In Christ, you move from me to we, a connectedness. And have you ever noted this is God's plan? Like, from the beginning? He makes one. Then he makes two out of one. And what does he say to them? Become one again. Why don't you just leave them one? Right? He's like, he, got, he has one, Adam. He makes two. And then says, become one again. The two shall become one flesh. And, and then... It all goes to hell, so to speak, right? Sin enters and division happens. I mean, look at their kids. Cain kills Abel. Can it get any worse than that? Like right away, division, fighting, factions. They sin. They're like, we're different. We're shamed. We, we just, we trying to deal with it, you know. And finally, God just is like, done. And he saves one family. And you think, huh? going to be good now one family but then after the flood succeeds subsides noah plants some grapes makes some wine gets drunk his one son goes in there and mocks him 
And the other kids are like, you know what? We're not going to mock dad. We're going to cover his shame. And there's division in the family and separation again. And like this goes on. It's like one, I want you one, I want you one family. And there's always division. And, and we have a desire to be one. And you see this here at the Tower of Babel. Early in Genesis, they have a new technology called bricks. Before that, they had stone. They developed new technology, bricks. And this brick is going to unite us, brick and tar. And so they take this new technology and they say, we're going to build a city, a tower that reaches the heavens, and we will make a name for ourselves. We're going to be united under one ruler uh, with this new technology and make a name. But they're not united under the spirit. They're not united under God. They're united under man. And what does God do? He separates the tongues, the languages. And you fast forward many years later, what happens at Pentecost? What happens? You've got languages in Babylon that brings, that, that brings all this division. And now at Pentecost, the spirit comes down. All these guys, they, they, they look like they're drunk. They're so ecstatic in the spirit, but they're speaking in other languages. Other tongues and people are hearing them in other languages. God is saying, I want unity of the Spirit. I want unity of the Holy Spirit. My Spirit will bring you together. One body, one family, one, one church, right? I want unity of the Spirit. And you know what's interesting about tongues? You know, God gave me the gift of tongues when I was in high school. I go into my bedroom, I kneel down to pray, and another language came out of my mouth, right? And I pray in tongues a lot. It's a prayer language. I don't always know what I'm saying. I remember one time I saw on television there was a, a, a person that I had, Gretchen and I had known from years before. And we were actually visiting my parents in Cleveland, and I saw the news, and, and I, I, I said, oh, Gretchen, that's such and such on the news and she says no because it didn't look like her it was a mugshot, and it was connected to all kinds of like crazy behavior and i'm like we knew her from the christian fellowship and she was this happy young lady and what in the world happened and i remember being moved to pray for her in tongues i didn't know how to pray uh i gretchen wasn't even 100 sure it was her and then as i'm praying i get this thought they're suicidal and you're praying that they won't take their life so i did some homework and i found them and i looked them up and i wrote to the to them in prison and i asked hey did you want to take your life you know like, yeah i totally did see the spirit moved me to pray and i didn't know how to pray but he moved me to pray according to god's will in this in this language that god knows that i don't know and and you know what I find interesting, though? Especially this happened many times during the charismatic movement. The Holy Spirit would come upon people and in the church, and they would get certain gifts, and especially tongues, and it would start dividing churches. What is Paul talking about with these gifts? From me to we. And people would come in, and they'd be like, you know, I'm better than you because I got this gift, and you don't. Right? And you need to have it because I... And all of a sudden you start getting like something that is supposed to be a blessing to the body, the smallest little gift. It doesn't bring together. It isn't this beautiful intercession thing or whatever. You know, it, it starts dividing. And, and now we have churches 
that specialize in different gifts. So you get the teaching church and the tongues church and the healing church and this and that. And Paul is going, hey, the body is supposed to be doing like all this stuff and, and working in this way. And, and we use our gifts in the wrong way because they're about me and not about we. And the scripture goes on and says, now you're the body of Christ and each one of you is part of it. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then workers of miracles, and also those having gifts of healing and, uh, and those able to help others. Hey, you got the gift of help? Right? Uh, those with gifts of administration, those who speak in different kinds of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? What is he saying? God needs all of us. God needs all of us. I was talking to somebody recently, and, and I hear this, and it's true. Church is different. Sure is. It, it is different. And um, I don't think bringing back normal at this moment is the call of God on us. But it is, it is different. And so I just, it, it's harder for me to come, they say. I'm like, yeah, it sure is. And, and you know, if there are health reasons why you're staying home, then you need to stay home. But if it's just, well, it's different, right? I don't always want to read the Bible. Right, right? Like we make choices, to serve and to love. But as we started talking, they had this opportunity the last time they were in church to actually minister to somebody. And I, the thought came so strong to me, like, it is different. But why, like, aren't you saying, Lord, is there something here for me? Is there some word of encouragement? Prayer? Like, do you see that? Like, God has called us as a body to minister to one another, not just be a consumer. We're, we're all ministers in the kingdom. And it's interesting. Have you ever noticed that in this list, he's got apostles at the top? Well, so is it a hierarchy? It's interesting when Paul talks about apostles, he says, God's put us at the back of the, the train. Do you ever think about the apostles? They are at the top. Did you know that they all died except for John for their faith? They were all martyred. When Jesus said to them, follow me, their life expectancy went below 40 years. Right? Except for John. They tried to boil him in oil and they couldn't kill him. So they sent him to Patmos. And that's why we have the apocalypse. Right? The revelation. The book of revelation. That's what apocalypse means. It doesn't mean catastrophe. It means revelation. And, and, and so these apostles were at the top. But why are they at the top? Because it's always about God touching one person who goes out and touches more. You've got Adam and Eve, and out of that there's a multiplication, right? You've got Noah, and out of Noah there's a multiplication. You've got Joseph, and out of Joseph there's a multiplication. You've got Abraham, and I am going to bless all nations because of you. There's this multiplication. You've got Moses, he touches one man and goes out. David, and then Jesus, which everything points to. One man touches these 12 apostles and they go out and change the world. Have you ever thought about the power of your relationships? 
Have you ever thought how God many times has touched other people's lives because he dropped you in that workplace or in that family or that that volunteer situation? And also, have you ever been like this? I don't know if I can have any more relationships in my life. I mean, my relationship cup is full. Can I say, I thank God that Jesus didn't say that. What do I need? I got the Spirit and the Father. I don't need any more relationships. Why would I want to come down to earth and meet all those people and have an influence on these 12 guys and a bunch of other people, right? I believe that God would want to work through you in the lives of others. And we need to be people who are moved by the Spirit. We look at Jesus and go, Jesus, if you left heaven, I can get involved in this. I can mentor this person. I can volunteer here. I can even come to church because you might want to bless somebody just through my presence here today. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you that uh, you help us by your spirit. Move against the, the meanness, the selfishness that is so innate. And we look at you, Jesus. We turn our attention off of our multitude of failures and on to the faithful son who left heaven, came to earth, bore our sins on the cross and gave us a message of reconciliation, gave us a life uh, filled with gifts that, that we can use for the kingdom. And Lord, you know and you're intimately acquainted with everybody who's listening to this message, with everybody who's here. And I pray that the evil one wouldn't steal these words, but you'd move us out in whatever way you would have us, even during the pandemic, Lord, whatever technology, however it is, so that your name can be glorified, so that your kingdom can come and your will will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Community of Hope, go to www.cohchurch.com. God bless you today.